Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Brewers Outlet. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Friday, everybody. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, micro brews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. It is all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So, the um, British Open, of course, earlier today, Brian Harmon was incredible, shot a 65 today, just a fabulous round, 10 under par. Midway through, that is one heck of a start for him. As he is the leader, Rory McIlroy had to kind of fight his through through uh, fight his way through his round today, and uh, the U.S. World Cup women's team will play tonight at nine o'clock. They will play. Uh, they will face Vietnam, and I believe that's in Auckland tonight. Uh, but they'll face Vietnam tonight at nine. That is on Fox, uh, and. Right now, besides baseball, those are the major stories. Now, of course, another major story is what happened with the Washington Commanders. The long national nightmare is over uh, because Dan Snyder has officially sold the team. Now, he has sold the team to the guy that owns the Sixers and the Devils, Josh Harris. That, of course, makes Matt angry. Matt feels there should be only one owner per team. We were talking about this last night with a group of friends uh, about ownership and in NFL ownership. The rule used to be you could only own an NFL team. That, of course, has since changed. I think DeBartolo, DeBartolo owned both the 49ers and the Penguins at one point. But, of course, we all know Stan Kroenke owns the Rams, the Nuggets, the Avalanche, and the Colorado Rapids of MLS. So you can have multiple ownership along the way, and that's what Josh Harris has done. Now, it should be um, pointed out that that, uh, Harris has partners in with him. He's not the sole owner of the commanders. And Dan Snyder, by the way, had to pay a $60 million fine for... Everything that went on with the John Gruden situation, you know, all the emails that came out and so forth, he had to, again, uh, pay a $60 million fine. Now he got $6.06 billion, I should say, $6.06 billion to sell the team so he can afford the $60 million. Not many of you out there can afford the $60 million, but when you get $6.06 billion, you can't. 
and this all this coincides with the Mary Jo White investigation. Uh, and she informed the league owners of her findings on Thursday. And this goes back to what we said, I don't know, about six months ago, that you haven't heard from Mary Jo White and that you probably would not until he sold the team. Just stay out of the way, let him sell the team, then find him. And that's exactly what's happened. In her findings, White cited Snyder's lack of cooperation apart from a one-hour interview we did with investigators on June 29th, about 17 months after the investigation began. Uh, And the... uh, White said her report that she interviewed 44 former employees during her investigation, but said several former high-ranking officials declined to speak. In a roundtable session with members of the House Oversight Committee, Johnson said that Snyder put his hand on her leg under the table while at work, a work-related dinner. She also said Snyder tried to force her into a limousine after the event, thus the sexual harassment. Another former employee, Jason Freeman, corroborated Johnson's testimony about the sexual harassment. Snyder denied the allegations, first in a statement after initial testimony and again during his interview with investigators. However, White said she found Johnston to be credible after the uh, interview and talked to others about the event. White said Johnson's allegations of sexual harassment were uh, sustained. Johnson declined to be interviewed by attorney Beth Wilkinson for her nearly year-long investigation in Washington's workplace culture under Snyder. That led to a $10 million fine levied against the franchise in 2021. But when Johnson spoke to Congress, it amounted to a new allegation prompting another investigation, this time by White. White's findings backed up Friedman's allegations of financial improprieties. During his testimony before the House Oversight Committee, Friedman discussed ways the team shielded revenue from the league, which would be distributed among its owners. She wrote that their investigation identified approximately $11 million in revenues, including those in the Jason Friedman allegations that the club appears to have improperly shielded from sharing to the extent that is required by NFL policies. Attorney Lisa Banks, who represented both Johnston and Friedman, among several other uh, employees, told Don Vanetta of ESPN that the report was really strong. This is utter indiv- in, uh, vindication for Tiffany Johnson and Jason Friedman, Banks said. Friedman recently filed a lawsuit against the commanders and one of Snyder's advisors, John Brownlee, for defamation. In a statement, Banks said, We demand Mr. Snyder and the commanders immediately retract their false and defamatory statements about Mr. Friedman and issue an apology for their repeated attempts to smear, harass, and intimidate those who come forward. White also found credible evidence to back up Friedman's claims of financial misconduct by the organization, forcing, uh, focusing on the period between 2008, when she said season ticket sales started to decline. She said they identified additional ticket, parking, license, and other revenues that were transferred from an account that held shareable football-related revenues into non-shareable accounts. But, she said, they could not determine the total amount of the revenues. They also said they could not determine if Snyder was actually the one who directed or personally participated in improper shielding of revenues. Okay. She said Snyder set a tone that pressured employees to cut costs and improve the financial performance of the club. 
White pointed to emails from numerous employees to back up Friedman's claim. She said one former employee jokingly emailed the team's then-chief financial officer after agreeing to allocate NFL shareable revenues instead of instead to a college football game played at the stadium uh, that if the NFL had a jail, we would be in it. That game, by the way, was Penn State and Indiana. Just so you know. She also said that another former employee felt discomfort with the team's recording and reporting of NFL revenues. White's investigation included using forensic accounts forensic accountants, excuse me, to help determine that a significant portion of $44 million had been transferred from shareable revenue to non-shareable, and it might have been improperly shielded. The team also failed to cooperate in producing some requested relevant documents and that a number of former senior executives declined to be interviewed. That, she said, prevented them from knowing the full amount of the underreported revenues or the extent of Snyder's knowledge of what took place. So, essentially, what you've had in Washington with the commanders, let's find a technical term here. I think you would call it a mess. Banks reiterated in a statement her dissatisfaction with how the NFL handled the situation. She said, while it's a day to celebrate, we would be remiss in not asking why, after being repeatedly made aware of numerous allegations against Mr. Snyder, Though our client, uh, through our client's testimony, the Beth Wilkinson investigation and a congressional investigation that the NFL and Roger Goodell allowed him to retain ownership buried the finding of his own investigation and, more, most importantly, helped him hide and avoid accountability. Again, this goes back. Why was the Mary Jo White report released the day he signed it, the day he um, sold the team? Coincidence? It's just one of those moments to make you say, hmm. We've repeatedly asked the NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell to condition the sale on a commitment from Snyder that he will not retaliate against our clients and others who participate in these investigations, Banks went on to say. He has ignored our concerns. What will the NFL do to make our clients and others whose lives were deeply damaged by Snyder and his organization whole? Good question. Very good question. So there you go. So while the nightmare is over for the league, at least on the surface, it is not over, apparently, for those who worked in that organization. Wow. How about that? All right. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Welcome back. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports domestics microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar. Led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. It is all at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. 
And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com. Rory McIlroy today did shoot uh, 70, so he's at one under par. He's nine shots back of Brian Harmon, who shot a 65 today to go with his opening round 67 at the Open Championship at Hoy Lake at uh, Royal Liverpool. And uh, look who's in first place in the American League East. The Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles who have approximately 215 million less in payroll than the Yankees are in first place in the American League East. They are up right now by one game over the Rays. And they're five and a half up in the Blue Jays, eight and a half up in the Red Sox. And right now the Orioles have the best record in the American League. Now, the best record in the National League is easy. That's the Atlanta Braves. The Braves have been terrific in every sense of the word. 62-33. They are 13 games above 500 at home, and they are 16 games above 500 on the road. As for the Yankees, despite having 102 home games so far, they're in last place. Okay. You know what's interesting about the Yankees? You know how much they've outscored their opponents so far this season? Eight runs. That's it. They've only scored eight more runs than their opponents. Team can't hit. Team just can't hit. It's incredible. All right. Uh, so this is uh, where we are right now in uh, baseball. We gave you the uh, update in the standings. The key is going to be what's going to happen at the end of the month with, with movement. I've talked about this before, and I mean it. If I'm the, if I'm the Angels, you don't get a talent like Shohei Otani to walk in there. You just don't. It's too much history. It says you don't move a talent like that. Just because you know people are trying to rationalize as to why he should be moved doesn't mean you should do it. And I know they're nine games out of first. I know that. You know, I also realize they're five games out of the wild card. I know that. But I'm sorry, you don't, when you get a generational talent, you do everything you can to keep a generational talent. That's the way I look at it. You're talking about who are you going to replace with him on the mound? Who are you going to replace with him at the plate? I mean, you're essentially replacing two guys here. And that is not the way to run it. I know that they've got Trout. They've got Otani, and they've been going nowhere. I know that. But do you really think by moving them they're going somewhere? I mean, come on. They're not going to – they'll absolutely be going nowhere. For a long time, if they make the deal, I mean, what, what are you going to get in return? I mean, what are you going to get in return? No idea. Um, so there's a lot of talk. I would dismiss it out of hand. The ACC's Jim Phillips – the commissioner vigorously defending himself against the Northwestern lawsuits because he was named in two of them as a defendant. He said, this is a difficult time for Northwestern, a place that my entire family called home. In fact, he still has a house there. Over my 30-year career in intercollegiate athletics, my highest priority has always been the health and safety of all student-athletes. Hazing is completely unacceptable anywhere, and my heart goes out to anyone who carries the burden of having to have been mistreated. 
any allegation that I have condoned or tolerated, uh, any allegation that I ever condoned or tolerated inappropriate conduct against student-athletes is absolutely false. I will vigorously defend myself against any suggestion to the contrary. Attorney Patrick Salvi said during his tenure as athletic director, it overlaps with the allegations that I've made. That's why he's in the lawsuit. Um, Head coach uh, Pat Fitzgerald, of course, is named too in a news conference. Uh, Attorney Steiner then stated his intention to file another lawsuit on behalf of a second player who named Phillips as a defendant. It's not just one coach, Salvi said. It's an athletic department, possibly a president that allowed this to go on for years and failed to take appropriate action to protect young individuals from traumatic events in their life. Both lawsuits also list itself, the school itself, Fitzgerald, President Michael Schill, former President Morton Shapiro, the Board of Trustees, and current athletic director Derek Gragg as, def- excuse me, as defendants. Salvi mentioned the discovery of new allegations of misconducts in the school softball and volleyball programs on top of the known allegations in football, baseball, and the cheerleading programs. So, that's the Northwestern story. And we'll see if more come forward, but Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, was vigorous in his defense, saying there was no way that he would allow or condone any activity such as that. So there you go. Uh, And next week will be interesting because you'll have Northwestern players there. They'll have to answer the questions. You'll have the new interim head coach, Braun, there, who who just joined the staff in January. That's why he was the obvious choice to take over as the interim head coach because he's the one that's been there the the, uh, shortest period of time. And they're going to have to answer all these questions. There'll be a lot of no comments, but they're going to ask a lot of questions. All right. More to come next half hour. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection. Imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet Reagan Street Sunbury wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. 
This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sponsored by Brewers Outlet. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, water, wine coolers, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. And you've especially needed these lately, even though the community is going to taper down this weekend. Should be a beautiful weekend across the valley. you still got those six great flavors of slushies. Time to stock up now for a big weekend. You got the Open. Maybe you're going up to Pocono for NASCAR racing this weekend. You got the ARCA race tonight. They got the Xfinity and the trucks tomorrow, then the Cup race on Sunday. You got to stock up for your trip down I-80 up to Pocono Raceway. That's all at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And Steve is in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Tommy McCarthy, T-Mac, joined us on the show earlier this week, talking about the Phils and their recent success, though, of course, it wasn't a great series against the Brewers. They get ready for Cleveland tonight for a three-game series in Cleveland and before they come back to face the now first-place Orioles on Monday at Citizens Bank Park. We talked to T-Mac earlier this week. Thanks for having me, Jonesy. I appreciate you, you calling again. It's awesome. Hope you're doing well. Doing really well, and the team you're broadcasting for right now is doing really well. They're not only winning, Tommy, I think they're fun to watch. You're up in that booth every night. How fun are they to watch? Yeah, I, I agree with that, Steve. I mean, I, I think that, you know, over the course of my years with the Phillies, we've had teams that there's just an enjoyment to them. Uh, but we've had other teams where it's, you know, you're thinking about it, going, how are we going to get some runs? How are we going to pitch? You know, this team has it all. They've got personality, too. It, it, it really has been a good run. I think it starts at the top with the manager. I mean, he just has it together. He knows what to do. Um yeah, it's been really good. I, I've enjoyed the evolution of some of these young guys like Stott and Bohm. And, uh, you know, I, I still think even better things to come as the uh, season moves on. I, I want to ask you about Robbie since you brought him up. Because, you know, last year he takes over for Joe Girardi. They get to the World Series. When you have talked to him, does he have a sense that there are certain elements now because of experience where he's better at handling it than even last year because he has a little more experience? Yeah, I think he's a big routine guy. So, uh, you know, the fact that he's now a full year into this gig, so his routine is established. It was always established as a bench coach because he had done that for 20 years. But as a manager, there's different things that he has to deal with, whether it be the media, whether it be meetings with the general manager, or the, you know, or in this case, Dave Dombrowski, the vice president, uh, or if it's a community uh, event that he has to handle, which he does a lot of that too. So I do think that the routine, and it's like a player, you have to try to find that routine that gets you from point A to point B. I think he has a better understanding of that. I, I will say that his people skills are way off the charts. And even though I knew that when he was the bench coach, 
it's been put into concrete now that he's the manager. Bryce Harper was able to get back exponentially sooner than most people would from his injury. What has his just mere presence meant to what we're seeing as a domino effect on the lineup? Well, you know, he's not hitting, you know, he's not hitting 25 home runs, 30 home runs right now, but there's still that thought that he is going to. So putting him in the middle of the lineup means that other guys, whether it be JT behind him or Castellanos before him, they just get better pitches. I mean, there's a presence to him that, I mean, there are very few players in Major League Baseball that have that, that can dictate success for the guys around him. And I don't know why the power's not totally there yet. I mean, I think it's a function of just getting at bats and getting back in the swing of things. Uh, but he's hitting 300 and he's driving in runs. So my feeling is it's going to happen. And when it does, it'll probably happen in bunches like every power hitter, like we're seeing with Schwarber right now. But I just think it makes everybody else better. And I think it'll make it even better when – he plays first base because then it gets Schwarber off his feet a little bit more in left field. Not every day, but maybe every other day. And I think that will go a long way to helping this team, too. Yeah, you know, there's certain players I also feel that thrive by playing in the field where it just makes them feel active the entire time in the game. Uh, guys like Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz perfected the fact that they could walk up to the plate four times and do right. something. But there's certain yep. guys that I think by playing in the field, that I think it, it, it energizes them. Is Bryce that kind of guy? Yeah, I think he's gotten used to being the DH. I don't think he really liked it at the beginning, but I think he would still prefer to be in the field. So I do think it's going to help him. Like Sometimes people say that when you're playing a position, you have to do too much thinking out there. But I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you with what you alluded to. I think he'll be even better when he's out playing a position. I really think he's adjusted to being a designated hitter, but I still think he's going to be better out playing a position. Tommy, you've now had a long, long look at watching Nick Castellanos play. What has he meant to what they are doing on a team that has plenty of star power? What has he meant? Well, I I think one of the things that stands out now is with the Harper injury last year, Nick's played the outfield more than he thought he was going to. Because if you think about it, he and Schwarber were signed to be alternating designated hitters. So Schwarber's played every day, but Castellanos has played himself into a pretty good outfielder. And I think that that's helping, that's going to help when Harper comes back. Um, I think that his RBIs have been really important. I think the presence in the middle of the lineup has been important. Uh, I would like to see more home runs, obviously, but I just think he has figured some things out on a lot of different levels. And even with us, the way he deals with us, he's just, he's night and day. The conversations are, are really good. Not that they weren't last year, but they're different this year. And I think that that's, I think you need all kinds of personalities in a clubhouse. And I think his personality yeah. and competitiveness and work ethic really helps this clubhouse. All right. The pitching, obviously, is a big part of all this. Uh, What has been the big difference between the pitching you saw from uh, April to mid-May to the pitching you're seeing from mid-May to mid-July? I think the bullpen will 
starters have, have been better getting deeper into games. I think, you know, the June that that Suarez and Taiwan Walker had were great. I think what you saw last night from Aaron Nola was great. But I just yeah. think the, the way the bullpen has been, you know, Craig Kimbrell has been a beyond a breath of fresh air with what he's been able to do as the closer. Um, he's pitching himself into the conversation for the Hall of Fame as he gets deeper and deeper on this saves list. And with Sir Anthony's injury and Alvarado's two injuries, gosh, I don't know where they'd be without the guys like Kimbrell and, and Hoffman and even Soto. I think that their success rate has helped this team. So, I mean, since the third week of April, I mean, they have either the first or second best ERA, depending on the day, in all Major League Baseball out of the bullpen. And that, to me, is tremendous. And uh, let's face it, what has that meant to Robbie's decision-making with the bullpen? Because it's, now he feels like, he probably feels like he can push a button now, and he's got a pretty good idea what the success is going to be with that push. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. You know, he had sort of a revolving door in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, which he was okay with. You know, he he has even said that he he's okay with not having a having a set closer. But I think with the injuries, it's given him a little bit of a pause on that. Where legitimately, Kimbrel is the guy in the ninth inning, and with the injury to Soto and to Sir Anthony, uh, excuse me, Alvarez and. Alvarado and, and Sir Anthony, then Soto is the eighth inning guy with a little of Jeff Hoffman. So I do think it's enabled him to set the end of the game for Kimbrell. And then the other guys, when they come back, will slide into those late inning roles depending on the matchups. You do have a group of guys in the bullpen that have pitched their way into a World Series. And then there's a guy like Kimbrell who was part of a World Series winning team in 2018, although they went with Chris Sale to close the final against the Dodgers in 2018. What does that mean, in your opinion, when you've got guys that have been there before in high-leverage situations? You know, it's funny, Steve. When, when we were talking to him last night, I was surprised when he we were talking about the All-Star game, and he was saying just what a joy it was, what a privilege it was, to finish the All-Star game. Now, he's pitched in nine All-Star games and has 410 saves. But that was the first one he closed for a victory. So to have that kind of a reputation to close those big moments or have the potential to close those big moments, kind of like Lidge in 08, I do think it goes a long way to the success level of a team. I really do. What have you thought of Trey Turner to this point? I don't think it's the. I don't think he's the Trey Turner that they. Well, obviously the numbers dictate he's not the Trey Turner that they signed right now. Um, I still think the numbers will be close to where they usually are. In stolen bases, he's going to exceed that. I think it's the power numbers and the the defense that's sort of been porous that I think is surprising to everybody. Now I will say the last. I would say 10 days defensively, he's made some really good plays. But I don't think we've seen the Trey Turner that that the Phillies signed just yet. I will say he plays every day, uh, but I think we're still scratching the surface on that. My expectation is that we'll get some semblance of that, but... Uh, 
it's definitely he's definitely not been the one the, 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 the Trey Turner that they signed for 11 years. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder if you're trying to go out every day and live up to that. I mean, sometimes you do wonder about that. It. That's yeah, yeah it's I a self-imposed deal. Yeah, I think it's the Castellanos last year, and I think it's the same thing with Turner this year. I, I do think that there is that kind of, uh, you know, that there's there's that kind of thought. Yeah, I mean, you, you do worry about it. You mentioned the stolen base part. Uh, you expect it with the bases being four inches larger, which is a, a four-inch larger lead, and four inches shorter to get to second, that you know stolen bases would be up. That brings up the rules between the pitch clock, uh, bases, throwing over a number of times, and so forth. You've now had you know more than a half season to look at it. How do you like the game? I, I like it a lot. I, I still don't. I, I don't think we need the three batter rule anymore. Um, I agree. That's you know that's part of it that I just I still I, I never liked it. I, I don't. I like it less now. Um, I do like everything else, and I didn't think I would, but I do. You know, we had those games against San Diego this weekend where it felt like it was the old days of baseball because the games were <laughs> <Yeah>. so long. <laughs> yes. But in reality. I really do think it's been good for baseball. Um, I know there are a lot of people that think that there's still, you know, there still needs to be some tinkering done. Um, I don't. I think it's good the way it is. I don't think they have to add any time. Um, I don't think they have to take away any time. I think it's good. I, I, I find my biggest issues have been still the three batter minimum and the way the game not that this is a rule change, but it's definitely a style change. The way the game has been official, officiated by some of the official scores where they're leaning more on the offense than they are about the integrity of the pitching. Um, and I yeah. do think that that's a result of baseball trying to make the game more of an offensive-driven game. That's the part that's really stood out to me these last, this, this last year and the last two years. And by the way, I'm completely with you on the three batter rule. It's not needed today. If they, if you want to make moves, make moves. Uh, I yeah, have no problem moves. with that. If it's one batter, it's one batter. I don't like the three batter rule, and never didn't like it when they put it in anyway. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really like it either. I was more accepting of it to understand the pace of play, but I don't really think that it it helped or hurt the pace of play. I think it just hampered. Uh, the strategy of a, of a of a manager. T-Mac, you're the best. It has uh, been a, a lot of fun and a lot of fun listening to you do, uh, go through this because uh, winning baseball is fun, but how the Phillies do it's fun and you guys accentuate it. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk soon. That was Tom McCarthy, NBC Sports Philadelphia, with the interview with Steve earlier this week here on the Steve Jones Show. Phillies losing 2 out of 3 to the Brewers but they take on the Cleveland Guardians in a three game series in Cleveland tonight and then they come home to face the O's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and then they go to Pittsburgh to take on the Pirates next weekend. So that's a look at next week. As Steve was talking about the Open championship and what a big start it was for Brian Hartman. So he's the leader now at 10 under par at this point. He is done for the day. Tommy Fleetwood is 5 under right now for the tournament. He is even 
through 14. Wu and Ming Wu Lee is three under right now with a whole list of other golfers listed at three under right now. And then Jason Day is among the group of people at two under along with Jordan Spieth. Spieth right now is even through 16. Talked about that with Jerry Dulac yesterday. So we'll keep an eye on him. And as far as today for Jordan Spieth being a big day for him, talking about the inconsistencies, how he had five straight birdies in the opening round yesterday after he had a two-over start, and then he bogeyed on 18. Well, so far it looks like it's been an up-and-down day for him as he's even through 16. That's Jordan Spieth. Roy McIlroy is one under par. He is done for the day. That's what he shot today as well. Shot a 70 for today. So there's a look at there. Stuart Sink is also one under par. Hendrick Stenson's one under par. Matsuyama is one under par as well. Victor Hovland is even. Brooks Kepka is even. Adam Scott, one over. Xander Shoffley's one over. Zach Johnson, two over. So that's a quick look at the standings right now. And Scotty Scheffler struggling. Four over on the day through 14. He is three over for the tournament. And right now, he would just barely make the cut. The cut is three over. Wow. And Bryson DeChambeau is also just on the verge of making the cut at three over, as is Ricky Fowler. So that's kind of look at the board right now. Seeing if there's anybody notable. Tony Finau is right now projected to miss the cut. So is Justin Rose. Phil Mickelson, nine over. So it looks like he's not going to make the cut either. So that's just a quick synopsis of uh, what's going on with the with the Open there at Royal Liverpool. So I mentioned Phillies Guardians tonight, Mets Red Sox tonight in Major League Baseball, Royals Yankees tonight at 7:05. O's and Rays continue tonight. So that's a look, and the Pirates are at the Angels tonight. So that's a look at what's going on across Major League Baseball, and then Women's World Cup. Team USA has its first game tonight. 9 o'clock on Fox. They take on Vietnam in the group stage. And this is Vietnam's first Women's World Cup appearance. And Megan Rapino and Rose Lavelle are going to have some limited minutes, according to the team, as they continue working back from previous injuries. But they both will play. And I'm sure we'll play a decent amount of time, but they're just going to watch to make sure they're not overworked in the early stages of the tournament with the women's team again being one of the favorites as they should be as we talked about yesterday Penn State well represented with five different players in this tournament including of course Alyssa Nair who we've had on the show a couple months ago she will be back in net again for the the United States that's a quick glimpse of what's going on it's coming up next week on the show. We got Phil Steele with his usual college football preview. Very curious to hear about that and what he has to say about Penn State as far as where they rank among some of the better teams in college football. A lot of 
high expectations for Penn State, of course, as we've talked about all offseason long. So he'll join us on the show Monday at 1.35. Then Tuesday, we got Neil Coolong, And then we've got Chris Wheeler. Wheels is back with us at 2.45 on Tuesday to talk some more fills as they'll be in the midst of the big series with the O's. So that's a that's going to be a fun regional series for this area. Obviously, mo- mostly a lot of Phillies fans, some Pirates fans, but a good amount of O's fans in this area too. So Phillies O's to start the week next week. That should be a lot of fun. So we'll talk to Chris Wheeler about the Phillies and their season so far at 2.45 on Tuesday. Looking forward to that. Then Wednesday is Penn State's day at Big Ten Media Day, and we'll be recapping that the rest of the week. I think they talk at 1.15 or, or so, I believe, in Indianapolis. So that's the kind of look at what we're, going, what we're looking at through most of next week. King is going to join us in the final half hour, as usual, for our headlines of the week. You never know what King's going to bring to the table. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, imports, domestics, micro brews, best selection of beer anywhere, water, wine cooler, soft drink snacks. They roast the peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none, all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, and Steve in the Sunbury Motor Studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. It is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.